0: The best moments usually occur when a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. That's a quote from Csikszentmihalyi. Long-ass name if you were to look at this. This is the main researcher on what is known as flow state, or another way to put that, A state of optimal mental performance when your brain is working at its best. And that's what we're going to talk about today, not just flow state, but how to optimize mental performance, brain optimization, whatever you want to call it. Let's get into it. this is such a fun topic that i'm very well versed in uh in a few different ways so first maybe i should explain that my background my my bachelor's degree is in psychology so i've always been obsessed with the human mind and and how we think and how we behave so that's one uh two I've done cognitive psychology research as a lab manager at Penn State University. That is in the cognitive psychology laboratory where I studied procrastination and precrastination, which is the opposite of procrastination. So pra- procrastination is like putting things off. We all know that. Precrastination is the tendency to hasten an activity at the expense of extra effort. And the example that we would give in the lab all the time is, if, let's say you have ten grocery bags in your car. The medium or low effort thing to do would be to not struggle and grab you know a couple bags that you can manage, go back and forth. maybe it takes you two trips. The precrastinator will struggle and grab all those bags, and you see like veins bursting out of his forehead, and he's, "Oh, like really struggling. That is a precrastinator. They're spending extra effort to get something done sooner. But that's not really what I'm here to talk about. I guess that can be a component of mental performance. Uh, but low state is, is one of the ways that we can take advantage of some of our own psychological mechanisms to do the things that we want to do. But before we even get into the specifics of how to optimize our brain or our mind, I think it's important to, to discuss that optimizing for physical performance is not the same as mental performance. And I'm just realizing now I kind of cut myself off. I've had a lot of coffee, uh, as as I've been doing lately. Uh, but I, you know, I have my psychology background. I had the cognitive psychology research experience. I have my master of science degree, which was in exercise science, health promotion, injury prevention, performance. And so the 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 degree itself is exercise science and, and performance, or exercise science and health promotion. That's the master of science degree. I've already made this messy. So uh, exercise science and health promotion is the master of science degree with two concentrations. One, injury prevention and performance enhancement geared towards athletes. Then the other one is sports psychology, which I'll admit is what drew me into the master's degree in the first place. I don't care as much about exercise. That's all like we figured it out. We know how to exercise. Sports psychology is so much more complex and intricate and involves, you know, aspects of the human mind that are constantly changing and everybody's different. Exercise is important, but it's also incredibly boring. Um, I know a lot of people are going to hate hearing me say that, but that's just how I feel. I am much more fascinated in the mind and the mental aspect of things and the brain. Um... Because there seems to be no ceiling for improving this thing. Like physical performance has kind of a ceiling. Like there's nobody who's ever going to deadlift 10,000 pounds, right? We've almost maxed that out. So people keep breaking the records on, on physical performance, like deadlifts, for instance. They keep breaking the records by like a couple pounds. But yeah, that can only last so long until you have to introduce steroids and stuff like that to, to surpass that. But as far as we can tell, there's no cap on the way our minds can grow, which is pretty cool. And not only that, there are things we can do to optimize our brains to make it more efficient. And that's what we're going to get into. But we have first a little bit of foundational stuff. And I was saying this earlier when I uh, kind of had to jump back. Optimizing for mental performance is very different from optimizing for Uh, physical performance now there is some overlap there if i'm training if i'm exercising let's say that is going to enhance my physical performance in a certain way as well as my there's mental benefits to that so there are things that we can do that improve us physically and mentally but that's very different from optimizing for performance in a certain area now to be more specific. An Olympic athlete in I don't know what whatever sport doesn't matter. An Olympic athlete in do they even have basketball in the Olympics? I don't even know. Let's say they do the basketball in the Olympics. Uh, they are training as best as they can to be the best of the best. So that of course involves a lot of physical training to to do all the things that are required physically for basketball. And yes, there will be some mental training as well that can help them. I mean, that's what sports psychologists do. But you can really only optimize for one. Like they're, they're putting more emphasis on physicality. I say this as somebody who has trained athletes. So athletes, when they're in the zone, that's what the you know, flow state is. They're, they're performing. They're doing their sport. They can be said to be in the zone. At least that's the hope. That's flow state. That's peak. Mental performance. Um now you can try to optimize for both. I'm not saying you can't try to, but generally, like if, if you're optimizing, it's it's a singular point of focus. I don't want to get lost on this. That's that's not quite as important. But what is important is understanding cognitive psychology, because some people have no idea what that is. It's very different from general psychology. So general psychology is like the thoughts in your head. How are you feeling? that sort of thing, most generally. Cognitive science or cognitive psychology comes from the perspective that the mind or the brain operates like a type of computer. So the brain operates like a type of computer, not the mind. The brain is like a type of computer. The mind is kind of like software. Now, I don't want to confuse you. There's a lot more I could say about that. But in order to keep this as simple as possible, a computer has a visual, like a uh, yeah, a video processing card. It has an audio card. It has memory where it uh, you know you can store things. You have the hard drive to store things. You have its central processing unit. And our brain similarly has compartments just like a computer. So we have our occipital lobe that helps us with the visual processing. We have, what is it? The auditory cortex that helps with sound. We have prefrontal cortex that can be thought of as a type of CPU that does the processing. So we have all these different components of the brain that are paralleled to a computer and our mind is like a type of software because the computer by itself doesn't mean anything. Like a computer is just a computer. You need software to run the computer. And that's what our mind is. That's where the cognitive psychology comes in. And this is aspects of our habits and our decision-making processes and very much computing-type tasks. So when, when we're making a decision, so are computers. They're executing on tasks. They you know, you could make a case that computers kind of build habits if you set them up, like you could set up automations, right? We can set up our own automations. We build habits. When somebody's learning a new thing, when they're trying to force themselves to exercise, that might feel very mindful and effortful, but if they keep it up over time, it becomes an automatic habit. They don't even have to think about it anymore. That's the beauty of the brain. So when we think about optimizing for mental performance, there's a whole lot of things that need to be done first. So you need to have some goals. You can't just, I mean, saying you're going to optimize your mental performance doesn't mean anything, if it's not for a specific purpose. So maybe it's for a sport, maybe it's for work, maybe it's for something else, but there needs to be an actual goal. And maybe you even need to learn some skills or, or things around what you're trying to accomplish in order to work towards your goal. So, so per- mental performance and physical performance are very goal-oriented. You have to have an understanding or a sense of purpose in some way. And I say these technical things, talking about cognitive psychology and habits and and all these things that maybe some of you don't care about at all, but you wouldn't fix a car if you don't know anything about cars. So you need to understand a little bit about the brain and the mind if you want to make changes to it. Otherwise, I, I mean, I'm not saying you have to do anything. I'm not trying to tell you what to do, but I'm, you're going to have a lot harder of a time if, if you don't know some of these things. So that's why we talk about terms like cognitive psychology um, and, and metacognition is the next one, which is thinking about thinking. This is an active, deliberate, conscious process. You, you can't stumble into optimizing cognitive performance. Uh, you know, maybe you can, but but most people can't. I mean, if you've been doing something for long enough, like if, you know, I no, you can't. Even then, like I was going to say, maybe if you've been in a sport for so long, but if you've been in a sport that long, you know, you have been making effort to, like, there's no stumbling into that. So no, you can't stumble in to optimizing mental performance. Now with metacognition, that is thinking about thinking, it's, like I said, active which is another thing that's important to actively think about these things because some people live their lives where thoughts just arrive into their head they kind of just appear and they go with whatever is there it's very much like autopilot it is the definition of lazy and and I I want to add a note there like I've been saying that a lot I think every episode I I use the word intellectual laziness as a reason for many of our health problems and and Uh, all kinds, even beyond health problems, all kinds of issues, intellectual laziness. And some people don't like to hear that. They don't like to consider that they might be lazy. And I think most people in some way, well, we all have the capacity to be intellectually lazy. And I think if you look around at society, many people are exhibiting this type of laziness in some way. Maybe even I do it sometimes. I think we all do. So I'm including myself here so you know that I'm not trying to be mean or derogatory. And if you don't believe me, if you don't know, I'm not lazy, not me. Oh, yeah. How many hands do you write with? Let me ask you that. Do you write with two hands? Because, I mean, you have the capability to write with both hands. Some people are left handed. Some people are right. So we, we have the possibility if we want to, we can learn to write with both hands. I, I think you can make a very strong case for if you do not write with both hands, that is intellectually lazy. And I'm one of those people. I can't write with both of my left hand and my right. I'm left-handed, but I can't write with both my left and my right hand. But if I wanted to, I could put in the effort. I can learn that skill. It would grow my brain. So that's a perfect example of me and just about everybody else being intellectually lazy. You don't write with two hands. And if you do, hit me, like send a a comment or a message. I'd I'd love to talk to you. That's pretty impressive. Some people have it effortlessly. Some people can do that. but just so we're on the same page, how I'm not trying to be mean by saying people are intellectually lazy. I'm saying we, that's a perfect example of how we are all intellectually lazy. We don't write with both of our hands. But intellectual laziness, like the, the hand thing is beside the point. Intellectual laziness is a problem because all of your fuck-ups are from lazy thinking. Just about all of them. And that's me too. So metacognition is a way to think about our thinking, is to be a little more awake, to pay more attention, be more aware. There's no negatives to that sort of thing. Just analyze the thoughts that are in your head, because some of us don't. We take that for granted. Very a lot of us take that for granted. The fact that we can think and thoughts are in our head, and it can be easy to just feel like that's just how it is. I have no control over it. My thoughts are just appearing there. Yeah, no. Sorry, but no. Um, you actually can change your thinking quite a bit. But we're not really here to talk just about thinking on a general level. This isn't an episode about metacognition. This is an episode of optimizing mental performance. And like I mentioned earlier, the pinnacle of that sort of thing is called flow state. Maybe you've heard that. That's in the zone. Oh, I was in the zone. That's flow state. And that was... uh that term was coined by Chiksimahali. Good luck spelling his name. I promise you, you can't. Um, but if you were to look up the scientific researcher responsible for flow state, his name would be the first to come up. Good. If you can't write it, you, I doubt uh, you know reading it. You could pronounce it easily either. I'm pretty sure it's Chiksimahali, which I say only because I've heard somebody else say that. I'll admit. But flow state is important for optimizing performance and productivity from a mental perspective. It's when things feel effortless and maybe you've been stuck in some sort of project, whether it was a personal project or a work project or whatever, and it just feels like time flew by. You look up at the clock, holy shit, two two hours, eight hours, whatever, went by, wow. That is flow state. It's, it really changes the way your brain is operating in a way where time passing doesn't even register. It does require a clear specific goal, a singular focus. You can't really accomplish flow state with some sort of multitasking thing where, oh, I have a lot to do today. I have to go run errands and then I have to go to work for two hours to do this thing. And then I have to do some kitchen work. And so I'm going to get into flow state and optimize my brain for that. No, sorry. That's not how this works. Flow state is specifically for a singular focus. So you can have separate incidences of flow state, um, but it won't run through your entire day like that. That's not how it works. So, you know, with that list there, let's say in the morning you, you well, I, we'll save that. I don't, I don't want to make this too messy. There, there are ways you can set up flow state and that's what I'm going to get into. Uh, but first I wanted to make it clear that it requires a singular focus. Just like a sport, right? Like the, the athletes are singularly focused on throwing the ball and, and getting it in the hoop or whatever. So their, their mission is clear. It's not like they're playing basketball and then they're maintaining that flow state as they go play uh, something else, like play soccer next. That's just not uh, how this works. They're in the zone when they're in their element. Now, one interesting thing that flow state accomplishes, and it does, it's a type of accomplishment because it's shifting the way that your brain works. If, if right now your brain is working one way, while well, you get into flow state and it functions in a different way, if you were to look at fMRI scans of what the brain is doing, you would see that it's clearly behaving in a different way than just normal day to day tasks. One way to think of this is if you've ever looked at your phone, some of the settings on there, you'll see uh, high performance mode, or even battery saver mode. Uh, you can think of flow state here as high performance mode. Battery saving mode is is something different. That's that gets its own episode. But it goes into high performance mode, which means it's sort of turning off other parts of the brain and shifting all those resources into, you know, just one or a few. My, my point here is that it's, uh, shaping your mind in a way that it's putting all your brain's battery power into exactly where it needs to be for you to perform well at the task that you're focused on. So th- this can apply to sports. It can apply to work apply to, uh, any, anything that requires you thinking critically. But not only does it have to be a singular focus, a very clearly defined task, but it has to be perfectly challenging. So it can't be something that's too easy or you get bored. And it can't be something that's so challenging that entering a flow state is impossible. Because think about it. If something's really like if you're trying to solve some sort of math equation that you have no familiarity with, you can't really get into a groove that way. It's going to take a lot of thinking and making mistakes and research. And so we're talking, when we talk about flow state, we're talking about something very specific. Let's say you're writing a paper and you take six hours of no breaks. You're just looking at the screen. You write a paper for six hours. That is flow state, right? You start the paper, you look up and you're like, wow, it's been six hours. Where did the time go? That's flow state. But I do actually have, I don't even know if I should say this because I've been saying this for a while. So two years ago, actually much longer than that, a while ago, I wrote a book uh, that covers this topic. It's a book on on time management. It's, it's called a book on time management. It's actually much more than that. Uh, but I will be talking about this much more on the show. But uh, I also want to build up my platform so I can spread awareness about my Upcoming book that I can't publish unless I have a platform. So the book is basically ready. Uh, that's the good news. But the bad news is nobody will publish a book if you don't have like a big audience, which right now this is episode eight, I think. So, uh, yeah, it's a work in progress, but I'm excited to get that book out there. I think you're going to love it because this is a small piece of what is in the book and, uh, yeah, mental performance is something that I think a lot of people are interested in. But here's the thing, a lot of people who are interested in this are often looking for the easiest way to implement this uh, this type of thing. And that's not exactly realistic, you know, because we're talking about the brain. Like a computer, the brain gets better at things by doing things. That's how it gets more efficient like we, we talked about before, how a habit is just an automatic set of behaviors. Well, that's a routine. Like a habit is an automatic behavior. A habit is one automatic behavior, whereas a routine is an automatic set of behaviors. You don't have to put much thought into it. And that's good. We actually need that. That's our brain operating in its most efficient way. So it can be tough to, for people to do certain things because we wish that the things we want to do were as easy as an automatic habit like let's say i don't let's say i don't exercise at all right now i wish that it would be as easy as an automatic habit for me to exercise but i will not get to that point unless i start effortfully making the decisions and executing on those decisions to exercise so that my brain will do the work for me and make it easier and ingrained and develop those automatic patterns so that I don't really need to think about it as much next time. So I'm saying this because when people look for the easiest way to do something, they're doing themselves a disservice because it doesn't work like that. You're wasting your time. The answer to to this idea of increasing mental performance is to put in some effort. I know people might want to look for some kind of app or something like that. Maybe not for flow state in particular, but but generally people look for quick, easy solutions. This is not one of those cases. Planning, like I'm getting a little bit into time management here, but I'm saying this to make a point. People want to make time management as easy as possible. Okay, so just like I said with mental performance, some people like to take shortcuts, they wish it were automatic and maybe they buy somebody else's planner because it's the perfect system that somebody else has developed and and all these different things. So, wow, what this perfect system, I'll barely have to think. I just have to draw a few things in my planner and I'm good to go. Well, with time management here, just like with mental performance, the benefits come from the thinking, from putting in the work, from actually Using your brain, especially on paper, like putting it on paper, like writing with your hand makes it more real in the brain that strengthens whatever you're doing. So you cannot expect lasting results if you're trying to make this as easy as possible. If you're looking for an app that'll manage your time or help you enter flow state or something like that, you're, you're looking for an external solution or to outsource the effort good luck if you find something that works let me know Um, but knowing what i know about the mind and the brain it's impossible because the brain is it has neuroplasticity meaning it's like neuro the brain plasticity meaning it's like plastic moldable so constantly our brain especially when we go to sleep is rewiring itself based on our experiences So if we are making the effort to plan our time or to enter flow state or any other type of mental critical thinking task, doing it consistently with effort is what improves that. That's what makes you like a supercomputer, if you want to think of it that way. The quickest way to build a weak, failing brain is to look for the easiest way to do these sorts of things. Well, now let's talk about what are some of the things if we've decided that we're gonna put in the effort and we're going to try to achieve flow state or optimal mental performance, what can I do? Number one is environment. Your environment influences your behavior. You need a distraction-free environment. And this is different for everybody, because what is chaos to some person might be normal to another. But your environment has to be constructed carefully, depending on the task that you're doing. Not everybody has that luxury. Flow state, let me give an example. So... Let's say a a very well-experienced medical doctor in a hospital. Well, very often hospitals can be like a chaos type of environment, a lot going on, a lot of unpredictability. Through the environment and through the experience and putting in the effort as long as this person has, they can enter a type of flow state where it just feels effortless. Like a surgeon, for example, like an eight-hour surgery or something like that, you get into flow state because your environment is this is carefully constructed to allow the surgeon to operate in the best way. And if they do that over time, it becomes automatic and you can easily enter flow state. So even if you can't control your environment, maybe even be aware of some of the factors that might promote or detract from flow state and ask if you can do anything about those. What else? What can you do for flow state? Well health coaching is not exactly something that can help with flow state, but more like mental performance. And there's a lot to that. Uh, because why, why does somebody come to a health coach? Well, because they're stuck in some way around their health. And so what we do is we talk about it out loud, right? I'm not injecting them with something that magically helps them with their health goals. It's done through conversation, So what is it about conversation that can improve somebody's thinking in a way that could potentially optimize mental performance? Well, as as health coaches, we use something called reflective language, which is an opportunity for you to hear what you are saying, which might sound silly, but sometimes we kind of just let thoughts pour out of our head and we don't really listen to what we're saying. I mean, you know, if, you've, if you're a normal human, maybe you've said something you regret. That's a perfect example of thoughts pouring out of your head without much examination. So as a health coach, I would reflect your language. We do a lot of things. I don't want to oversimplify this. So Let me be very clear. There's a lot to health coaching. These are just some of the particular pieces that can help towards allowing someone to optimize their mental performance. So hearing your own thoughts and that's done, like I said, through reflection. So you say like, wow, um, last week I failed at my goal just because I didn't want to do it. I say, okay, well, I'm, I'm hearing that you failed at your goal. I know last time we spoke, you said this was really important to you and you wanted to do it. But I'm also hearing that today you just didn't want to do it. So what's going on there, right? So I'll, I'll reflect back to them the language that they're using. So it gives them an opportunity to hear their thoughts. And not only that, sometimes by articulating their thoughts, maybe they don't even need it reflected. Maybe just by articulating things out loud, that's a type of thinking in a different way. Which is, you know, is a unique thing. I don't think it's fair to assume that articulating a thought out loud and holding it in your head are the same thing. They have different effects. If you say a thought that you have out loud, it's sort of like you're thinking it twice and you get to reanalyze it And it makes it more real. It's now articulated into the real world. And so if you're saying that to yourself, well, you can think about it out loud. Or if you're saying it to a health coach, I've seen this time and time again where somebody starts saying something, say, well, you know, uh, I failed because X, Y, and Z. And, you know, I'm realizing as I say it now, that's not really a good excuse. Or I'm realizing that I'm blaming somebody else. Or I realize this, this, and that. Health coaches also help by Partnering with someone to help them create intention or or goals. Um, Because some people just don't have goals or intention and at least conscious ones. And so they, they need the help of a health coach to be more intentional, to find those goals. And what happens when somebody behaves in a more intentional way? They become more awake. They're removing elements of that autopilot. By definition, right? So if you're here at a health coaching session, you're trying to be more mindful, you're trying to work on something, you're being intentional, you're setting goals, that is all active thinking. That is not autopilot. And if you're going to act on the goals that you set for yourself, that's, it's even less autopilot. Instead of mindless, which is autopilot, it is mindful. So health coaches help people be more mindful. And we do a lot of other things, but those are the ones that stood out to me the most as we think about optimizing for mental performance. So, of course, as a health coach, I can tell you to go to my website, redpillhealthandwellness.com or mikevera.com. They both go to the same place because I'm a board-certified health coach. I help people with this. There is my uh, paid health coaching program, Red Pill Your Health, where... You can learn all the fundamental information about health so that you can make your own informed decisions and cut through all the BS and propaganda. You can also go for the premium program where you can work in, it's like a group health coaching setting where yes, it is in a group, but I would still, me or a board certified health coach, someone else will help you specifically with your goals. Not a cookie cutter program sort of thing, but you specifically. But if you're not ready for that quite yet, please consider sharing this video, liking it, commenting, thumbs up, all that good stuff. Because my mission is to make the world a healthier and more truthful place. That's all I think about. I'm obsessed. I'm never going to shut up about it. Um, And hopefully, with that mission in mind, this episode was useful for you today We talked about optimizing for mental performance. We talked a little bit about cognitive psychology and fixing your brain, not fixing your brain, but uh, tweaking your brain the same way you might tweak with like a car, mess with a car a little bit. Metacognition and flow state, optimizing performance, cognitive battery power, which is a term I made up, just to be clear, and how health coaching can help. So I think that's pretty much it. Low state allows people to reach their full potential mentally. It's really cool. Like when you experience it. But share your thoughts, please. Let me know what you think. Let me know your experience with this or if you're going to try it or if you have questions or what you want to hear about next or any of that. Otherwise, stay healthy, stay awake, and see you next time.